Hello and welcome to Centerpoint, the podcast for the Center for Educator Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement, or CERA. I'm your host, Todd Scholl, and on this episode of Centerpoint, I had the opportunity to travel down to Somerville, South Carolina, where I visited with teacher cadets from Ashley Ridge High School. Victoria Merritt is the teacher cadet instructor there, and she shared a video with me of six young men who were addressing the Board of Education there. And I was just absolutely impressed by that and wanted an opportunity to speak with these young men about the importance of representation, the importance of diversity in our uh, teaching population, and, and strategies to recruit males and minorities. So without further ado, here's my interview with Darius Smith, Damar Proctor Floyd, Dennis Wright, Jaheem President, Kyle Fersner, and Bernard Johnson. My first question to this group is, um, what is it that has made you consider teaching as a profession? What is it, what are some of the catalysts for you being drawn to the profession? Um, honestly, for me first, I was inspired by my second grade teacher who was African-American and just being around kids, it just brings something to me that makes me want to help or um, inspire, I guess, for future generations. For me, I feel like my whole life I've recognized like the fact that I could be a teacher, but I never wanted to do it because, I mean, the obvious stigma that money is a real issue, and it is. So that was my biggest deciding factor on why I didn't want to be a teacher more so than anything holding me back why I would, you know? So, um, but as of late, there have been obvious movements towards reform in teaching, and that inspiration has led me to believe that there's no reason to not be part of the movement, so, you know. What do you mean by the movement? Um, just, you know, like last night we were at the... CSU Chapel? Yeah, the CSU Chapel, talking about reform and teaching salaries and all really just so many issues in the field of education and how we're addressing those and solving them. And I feel like the fact that that is coming to light, I can be a part of the solution as opposed to just not addressing it. Okay. Uh, for me, like I've always had a passion for people, I would say. Like when I was a kid, I kind of took it and translated it into like, oh, I want to be a doctor because doctors help people, duh. Like it makes sense and they make money, duh. But I got to high school, and like after going through schooling, like you know, it's like I don't do I really want to graduate from high school, go to college for four years, and then go to medical school for medical school for eight years, and then do all that schooling. I probably wouldn't want to do all that. And I was thinking about, it, I was like, the people like me, like because I was I was going to become a pediatric specialist. Yeah. But I was like, I thought about it, and I was like, how many people like me can really afford to go to a pediatric specialist if they need to? So the my range of help would be so limited by economic status at that point. So I was like, but everybody I've ever met in my entire life has had a teacher at some point in their lifetime. And so I think that was kind of the moment I was like, the teaching the professions, but for me, because that way my range of help, like my, it's no limits. Like it's not, your money doesn't play a role because I'm going to be a public school teacher. So yeah. if you, if you're in, if you are in this zone to go to my, to go to the school I teach at, then you're my student. It's just that simple. And also like I said, I just have a passion for people and a passion for kids. So kind of makes sense to me. 
for me has been uh, a calling for a long time, uh, kind of like a, my form of a ministry to be a teacher, to be an agent of change, to to show love to somebody who may not be getting love at home, to show passion to somebody who may not get passion at home, to be somebody role model so they can see that my life is not respond to my circumstances or my surroundings. I can be greater than with the circumstances around me. That's why I want to be a teacher. Why do you think um, males, and particularly African-American males, are underrepresented in the teaching population in South Carolina. What is the core issue there, you think? I think there are a lot of things that play into the role of African Americans not becoming teachers in South Carolina. Like, because we were at the board meeting yesterday, or we were at the CSU chapel yesterday, and a person said, like, the history of South Carolina itself, like how it started, and how like that's still there's still kind of like lingering effects of the foundation of this state, and I feel like people don't really realize like realize that until that and take that into account because I don't know like I feel like depending on where you go in this state you have polar opposite people like you go ten minutes down the road you're in the country or you go three minutes down the road you're in the country you go ten minutes over there down D road you're in like the city urban part like it's you go downtown Charleston that's a whole different set of people and I just feel like with the mixtures of people. Then, like, also, like, like we said, there's a lack of African-American teachers in the teaching system. So black people aren't growing up. They're not being raised seeing people like them because, like, representation, like, it plays such a big role. Like, that's, like, when I say it, like, I really mean it because, like, if you don't see somebody that looks like you, like, when you see somebody that looks like you, you feel like you belong, like, without even question. It's like, oh, I belong here. They're like me, like, you know. But if you never see anybody like you, it's just, like, you kind of never really have that true sense of, like, like this. Like, you don't feel like it was meant for you, I guess. Yeah. And so until you actually see that, you really don't, like, you don't really think of education like a passion. You think of it as something you have to do. You have to do it to graduate. You have to do it to get a job. You have to do it to get money. You don't see it as, like, an art or, like, a craft, something you can actually use as a tool. Something, just kind of bouncing off of what Darius said, there's obviously a stereotype as to what teachers look like, and it's essentially a white female, like a white middle-aged woman, just naturally. And... It's kind of human nature to play into a lot of stereotypes that are set for us inadvertently, really. Like, we might not even realize that we're doing it, but that has kind of just, I feel like, portrayed itself, especially in this particular scenario, where you see that stereotype and you feel like because you don't fit into that stereotype, you naturally just don't even think twice about going into that profession. Um, What I was going to say was, like, in the black community, we, like, a lot of us are not brought up in wealth, to say. And for kids who are like smarter, I guess, it does like they're not really encouraged to become teachers because teachers don't make that much money. So basically, like to get out of where you're coming from, you have to do something else to make money. You kind of hinted at something there, like um, so. We have uh, sometimes in a school uh, people who are coming from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And what is the importance of, like, if you're coming, if if you're in a classroom and you feel like culturally Mm -hmm. there are the teacher 
doesn't understand right. where you're coming from and the rest of the students don't understand mm -hmm. where you come from. What does that do to you in terms of your, like mentally what's going on and does it, how does that impact your education and how can you being, uh, you then being in the classroom mm -hmm. or on a hallway with teachers mm -hmm. impact that, right. impact that, what, what can sometimes be a, maybe a disconnect teacher coming who's grown up in a, a middle-class right. white suburb teaching in uh, a predominantly African-American mm -hmm. urban environment as right. an example trying coming in and struggling with making building rapport with students or trying to make a connection exactly. and then how do you how do we overcome that how, how does how does your um, involvement in education how can that impact that so just Kind of talk about first of all, like what's going on mentally with you mm -hmm. when you when you encounter that, and then how you plan to help resolve that. Any issues? Um, well, obviously the issue of representation. Um, Dr. James from the Call Me Mister program at College Charleston brought an astounding statistic to us, and it's that students black students specifically that have a teacher between first and third grade that are that represent them racially are 80 percent more likely to continue their studies in college 80 percent and that that absolutely blew my mind and that's kind of a moment when it switched on and the importance of representation and all of that so just seeing that even not even necessarily like having them as a teacher, just seeing them in the building, seeing them as in a position of authority helps kids, whether they realize it or not, it helps them notify that there's more to it than just, you know, the minimal. There's so much more to it than that. But I mean, I think as far as personally for me, being black and Asian, I think like when I majority growing up, a lot of my teachers were white and a lot of them were female. And I think that growing up, if you're not part of the majority, to me, I learned that, okay, since I'm playing for this team, almost like I'm going to show them that, like, I, like Dennis said, you're not destined to be a statistic. So just because I'm not white doesn't mean I'm going to fall into all CP classes. And you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, it's a challenge. And I think for someone who's other students who aren't like me and they do face problems with like you said a middle-class teacher who doesn't know what they're doing I think it's responsibility on both sides as far as the teacher and the student to really like Dennis said take really take grasp of where you're at you're getting a free education as a student and people don't realize this over 60 years ago African-Americans were fighting just to be in the same classroom as a white teacher so responsibility on students take that for granted and realize it responsibility on teachers Understand your students and don't just, I guess, take off, like, get the first impression and just think, okay, for the rest of the year, it's gonna be like this because the first day of class, he was talking to his friends because he disrespected me. Lay the ground rules down because you're, as a responsibility as a teacher, you have to manage your classroom. And so, as soon as you have that understanding down, what the student does and what the teacher does with the after is up to them. And hopefully, they make the responsible decision of understanding one, understanding one another even though we didn't grow up the same. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. How, how can, like, all right, so, so the six of you planning going, on going into education, 
Yes, sir. And you're, you're going out into schools. Now, I don't know what the schools are going to be, but how does that, how does, if, if, we, can, if we can recruit more males, mm -hmm. more African-American males specifically into the profession, and, and they're in schools, how does that change the dynamic? How does that help in terms of, in terms of like the, 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 the teachers who are, who are there trying, and, and many of them may have uh, positive intentions, like mm -hmm. they're trying, they yeah. just don't, right. they don't have the background knowledge. Right. Not, it's not their fault, they, they have a heart and they care, but they just don't have the background knowledge. How does, how does it help for you to be in those situations, maybe providing professional development, providing some insights so that those teachers on that staff benefit from you helping to make some, build some bridges, I guess. I mean, like you said, like, if even like one of us was in the school, that's still one person, one black man that's been through that, that's lived that lifestyle and that could vouch for all the other ones that are in the school as well. And I feel like it's just having one of us because a teacher, like say she has a problem, she can't seem to connect with her student, she just doesn't know why, what's happening, she comes to me. And I'm like, I, I just tell her, and I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I could provide like a lot of insight and help them out because I'm, I'm, I lived that life, I've lived that life, and not only have I lived it, and I, or am I living it, I'm also coming out of it, and I'm also going to be successful, and I also like have face obstacles. I've been there, I've done that, but like, it didn't change, like it didn't change me. Like I'm, I'm sure if I told had the people like my life story or like things I've gone through, they'd be like, what? And you, you're here, like. You're articulate, like you want to graduate, you want to go to college, you want to major in education, what? But I feel like I feel like if black kids are shown that it's not what you go through, it's how you react to it, and they actually see it in a living example, I feel like that's what really changed. Like that's what really shows them, like oh, because I feel like a lot of people, they they're really not bad. Like they really do have goals. It's just they don't have that support. They don't have that. They've never been told you can do this. You're like you can do better than what you're doing, or they've never been like shown like you're capable of better. Because like. I've had like a lot of teachers like even like in like elementary school they like you know maybe do robotics and stuff just let me like, maybe do different things like that I didn't think I could do, but like being a little kid doing robotics something I didn't really know or didn't really like just like get myself out there and be like wow you can actually program a robot to do this it's like I didn't know I could do that and yeah. then you kind of just get that feeling of I can just do new things whenever, and like I feel like that's so but that small little it's always that small spark that that makes the biggest change I swear but people don't realize it. So tell me about the role that Call Me Mister has played in your decision to become an educator and what you hope to get out of that, that experience being a part of that program. The Call Me Mister program provides support system um, when you need it. And it also goes towards your tuition and fees when you're going through school. So it helps you out um, during when we're going to college. So I guess it plays a big role in... You don't have to kind of worry about like financial stuff when going through college. Um, yeah, like he said, it helps like financial wise because I probably would have to go to the military or do something else to be able to go to college. But now through Call Me Miss Year, I can not worry about that so much. And I like I can start off positive and I don't have to owe money after I leave college. Um, 
not more on the financial side, but more of the all my life I wanted to be a teacher. And I, I, every time I said it, man, you won't be a teacher. You won't be a teacher. But the Call Me Mr. program, you know, I'm not alone. I, I got brothers, you know, who want to be teachers, who want to be passionate about what they're doing. So it, it just brings me joy to knowing that, you know, I'm not alone and that I can talk to him about, hey, I had a problem with this student. And I, 50 years from now, I can say, hey, I'm not alone. If you're in a room with, with the governor and the mm -hmm. superintendent of education and, and the people who are about to make decisions mm -hmm. about what we, we should do in education, what, and you could, you could speak to them for like 30 seconds, what would you tell them? Basically, basically don't stop trying to reach out to the people that you don't think, like to the people that you don't think you can reach. Like for instance, like, minorities, black males, I guess, in the education system. Like, just because we are notoriously known for not being in the education, education system doesn't mean that we won't, like, that our minds can't be changed, that we can't be, you know, pushed to be in the, in the education system. I just feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people would say, like, yeah, like, I want to, I, I would love to have a black teacher, but they don't actually, you know, try to actually get a black teacher. It's like, they don't actually take the time with that black student. They don't actually, you know, get that black student the, the, the extra work he needs or the extra help he needs. Like, they just kind of like, I don't know, they kind of lose hope in them, I guess, in a sense. Because a lot of people, I don't know, like, people have a lot going on outside of school that people don't know. Like, everybody's finding their own silent battles that people have no idea about. And that's true for everybody, I feel like. And I just feel as if... I think black men would definitely, definitely play. I think we change the education system for the better, to be honest, because that's a whole another half of people, uh, half the population of America that you're reaching just by having that one person in the school. And I don't know. No. <laughs> um, what I would say would like would be. It's time for action. Like, there's been a lot of conversation about it, but, like, what are we actually going to do? Like, are we actually going to see results for this? Or are we just going to keep talking and be 49 in the state or in the nation again? Um, I think that change is coming in the educational field. We've got to continue to do what we're doing now, just push a little bit harder. Because there are people in, there are teachers that's wanting to continue to teach but just can't afford to. So if you have people out there that wants to teach, continue pushing and trying to do what everyone wants for higher pay so that we can continue to have teachers in the classroom. I would say we cannot settle. I mean, even after we make change, we cannot, we can't settle with that change. We got to keep going into, you know, 49 to 38 to 11 to number one and two. South Carolina is the standard for not just the United States, but for the whole world. Like, we got to do like those guys. We got to, they're constantly after knowledge they're improving every year every year is not the same each year they're reforming they're changing and so until we get to that mindset of that we cannot settle for the bottom of the barrel then we'll have change all right anybody else
I mean, I mean, like, of course, the money apart is definitely a big issue, like something that we definitely should change. But I feel like along with that, what Kyle was kind of touching on before is we have to make the profession of education look appealing again. Like, the name of an educator is not good right now. And it's like, with us standing in this room, having conversations like this, people need to have conversations like this across all the classrooms in the United States. That way we are able to make that change. And we have inputs from all kinds of cultures, not just black people and not just white people. You see what I'm saying? So like, you gotta have the conversation. And then like Dennis said, let's actually think of some actions that we can take to solve these problems. I'd like to thank my guests on this episode of Centerpoint, Darius Smith, Damar Proctor-Floyd, Dennis Wright, Jaheem President, Kyle Fersner, and Bernard Johnson. And also a big shout out to Victoria Merritt, who is their teacher cadet instructor. If you're interested in learning more about Sarah's programs and services, head on over to our website at sarah.org. That's C-E-R-R-A dot org. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sarah S-C. That's C-E-R-R-A-S-C. And if you'd like to learn more about the national model for pre-collegiate teacher recruitment, head on over to teachercadets.com and you can connect with that program on Twitter and Facebook at Teacher Cadets. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Centerpoint, the podcast for the Center for Educator Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement.